How many times, dear traveler, will you walk the same path? Hello, and welcome to Legendarium Green Team's Malazan series. Welcome to episode three of the House of Chain series. I'm here in Fan, and I am joined today by the Fellow Panda. Hi! Yes, Nazavoy. Hello! And Ashman. Hey, everyone. Uh, Ashman and myself are Malazan veterans, but Fellow Panda and Yasna are reading the series the first time. We're covering chapters 12 through 17, so spoilers, spoilers, spoilers uh, for everything up until then, and we're going to use our regular format. Bonjourno! Chapter 12. Anderist and Cutter fight a wave of Eater, and Cutter is then sent to find and recruit the Malazans on the island. Traveler and Cotillion defeat the next wave. Kalam investigates a well and angers a body snatcher, which he later kills. We get insight into a perfect marriage. Trull and Onrak escape the nascent, and the Imas go got hunting. Pearl and Lestara come upon a crucified dragon. This chapter had a lot of stuff, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, it was pretty eventful. Uh, the first thing that comes up to me is, well, I guess the Odotara dragon. Who who doesn't want to know about more about that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, do, are are you guys familiar with uh, Brian Blessed? No. No. So he's this British actor. He's a real great big fat man uh, with a huge beard, and he always plays these like super boisterous characters. And he's in Black Adder as King Richard the Fourth, and he. Uh, He's always like bellowing everything. I swear, when I saw the Soda Terrell dragon, I heard him go, What? in my ear. Like, as soon as I saw, I was just like, What? Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if this is the first time we've learned this, but we also get the information that uh, every dragon, or the, the, the foundations of magic are all from dragons, basically. Like, every dragon is aspected to certain something. Mm. And uh, to balance that out, we have one of Odotaro. What if all the Warrens are really just, like, tunneled by dragons? Like, what that's if? what it is. So, um, Yill and Pearl found them. How, how are you enjoying their dichotomy? Eh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir? I, I, I like how uh, he's, like, this... She's, like, noticing that he's, like, this stereotypical, like, dude trying to impress a chick and keeps on, like, snarkily commenting on it. But then, like, she feels bad for not, like, sometimes indulging him. <laughs> I don't know. Pearl, you do not need to feel bad. Uh, they, they grew on me. I hated Pearl for, forever. But... I don't, I don't hate like him. Yeah. I don't like eh. Pearl, but I do like their dynamic. It is, it is funny in parts. Um, but out of all the duos, they're not my favorite. Oh, of course not. Who is your favorite? My wife and I are uh, both... My wife and I are both often Pearl in the relationship, so if we, if not, if we both acted like Lestara Yill all the time, then we'd both be so miserable, because neither <laughs> one of us indulging the other one, like, trying to pontificate on everything and, you know, act like they know more than they do and all that. We, Why can't you, you gotta, just say you, you gotta don't indulge know. it sometimes. Oh, man, I, I so relate to Pearl there. I... I, I <laughs> I'm fine admitting that I don't know stuff, but it's so much more fun to just make things up, like and Blabber just on. wildly speculate. <laughs> wildly speculate, yeah. I always start. I used to be like Pearl, and now I start with I don't know, and then go, but what of this? And and then mm. start the speculating. Karen, mm-hmm. you were asking me who my who my favorite duo is. Oh yeah. I'm I'm really enjoying Fiddler and uh, Cuddle and 
I don't I don't have enough of them in these chapters. Two uh, uh, sappers interact. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. Cuddle. Uh, I've always sappers. liked Cuddle ever since his uh, his first showing in this book when he just <laughs> blew up something to get everyone to shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he also killed uh, Paul Kalar, or he wants to kill Paul Kalar, and he killed one of the other nobles that were terrible. Len- I think it's That's right. Lenestro. Who's your favorite duo so far, Yesna? Onrak and Troll. Because <laughs> they're sad and tragic. But, but it's so I like the happy ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're a good pair. Um, this, mine's definitely Mapo Ikari, even though we only got them for one chapter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I didn't think we were counting that. They're they always count. I have a joke later. It probably will fall flat, but I'll try it. Anyway, you set it up perfectly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, One last thing about the Oda Tarl Dragon. This has one of the best pieces of art in the series, in my opinion. It's so cool. Yes. So when I finally got to the part of the reveal of the dragon, I messaged in our DM. And I was like, oh my goodness, Otataro Dragon. And then immediately, Kieran's like, would you like to see some art? <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, yes. <laughs> Did not disappoint. Amazing pieces. Yes. I saw Some that artwork. Um, I saw that artwork when I was reading Gardens, I think. So now oh, I really? finally understand it. <laughs> mm. uh, I bet that was confusing. I was just like, I have something to look forward to. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, we can move on. Something else that really stood out to me in this chapter is uh, that sword that Darist has. Mm-hmm. Sounds like an interesting sword. Mm. Vengeance. What the backstory is like vengeance or grief. Yeah. Depending on the wielder. That's awesome. Okay. Or, now, that vengeance. now that we're talking about. Wait, is it? In... Yes. Now that we're talking about the sword. Well, Darist dies, right? And the sword has a new owner. And it's this dude that's just named Traveler. But we all know who this guy is. Come on. Right? It's Pust. It is not <laughs> Dasim Pust. It's Dasim. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely Dasim. <laughs> yes. It's not impossible that it's Dasim. It's Thank more you. likely that it's this girl Pust. Mm. It is not Pust. The guy does not talk like Pust. And we all know how Pust talks. So. And we all know that Pust is the master manipulator. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Puss will surprise me later, but it's not gonna be this. I really like Vengeance because it's a sword that uh, basically No, Vengeance. It does nothing if you're not like a person of like an exceptional person already. Uh basically, if you're really, really cool and have a strong will, then it'll serve you well. If you don't, then just don't even bother. It's just a sword. Yeah. It worked Actually, for yeah. Darius for a long time. Yeah, he yeah. said he didn't have a singular will and it still did things for him, just not maybe, well, maybe the same things it'll do for uh, Dasim. Darius is still not your average Joe. <laughs> like, he's nowhere close to being as weak-willed as the average person. Despite him being really, really old. Yeah. And really, really depressed. That poor guy. Oh my goodness, yeah. He's a sad so- boy. Speaking of uh, Dasim Ultwar, uh, right before that scene, we got uh, Blind being summoned and oh, immediately God, yes. turning into a scared little puppy to this Edor, which anything that can scare Blind like that, pretty terrifying. I yes. wonder if it has something to do with the relationship between uh, the 
Elder Warren of Shadow and uh, Mianas. Yeah. Well, they are they're I... hounds of Shadow, right? So. Yeah, I mean they're they're from Corolla Merlon. Yeah. Oh, are they? Yeah. 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 They are right, but maybe they're so than... awesome compared to everything else because because they're hanging out in Mianas and in the mortal realm, and then somebody else that's you know got access to Carl Emmeline can can mess Carl Emmeline, Mianas. What's the difference? <laughs> Honestly, it's all confusing. Rashawn, Sire, blah 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 blah. I'm just, I try. You got you got an epigraph on it. <laughs> I, I yeah. did. That made it much clearer. Yes, the the preliminary analysis of the Warrens. Very, very nice. Very clear. See, I I ironically thought that that made everything a lot clearer. I was like, ooh, more. Yes, thank you. No, it it basically just says, yeah, what is the difference between all of them? That's the takeaway. Yeah, they're they're not separate, essentially. It's a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So, blind... Because remember back when uh, Cotillion came to Cutter and he's like, hey, I got this job for you, right? And then Cutter's like, fine, I'll do it. But on one condition, like, I get to call blind if I'm in mortal danger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. ooh, okay, this is going to be a really cool scene when he calls blind. <laughs> and then this happens. Literally, I was like, fine. He Erickson subverted my expectation. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's still cool because Blind, I'm pretty sure, brings along Cotillion. Or Cotillion's like, oh, Blind's going That's somewhere. True. I better follow up. Cutter's probably in danger. Yeah. The Cotillion fight was really cool. And yeah. that was what I was going to say is he was killing people with ropes. And we finally <laughs> get like a physical manifestation of why Cotillion equals the rope. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. a rope fighter. I also never knew Cotillion was another word for a dance. And mm, that, yeah, yeah. Cotillion Dance, dancer, cotillion. Yeah. That might have made it easier to figure that sh- stuff out in uh, Gardens of the Moon. Garden. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't I put it together. It. I-, I knew what it was. I didn't. I didn't catch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking about Warrens again, we also learned that Curled Theralon is not a sealed Warren, whatever that means, and that it's really close to Telon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, because the. Uh, was that the chapter where the Imas entered a Thirlon or Yeah, the the yeah. Tais Leosin um are looking for the trespassers and they were gonna do this ritual to like open the curl Thirlon thing. I just I just think of it cur- as curl Leosin and it does yeah. have that name <laughs> later. It's just so much oh, okay. easier to say and think of. Oh my goodness, yeah. Grace Leosin, Curl Leosin, yeah. The R and the L thing, that's ugh. Mm-hmm. The fire and Theralon, and Sire being the human warren, and Theralon being the elder warren. I mean, mm. Yeah, it gives you a I sense agree. of the Leosin is easier to genealogy. Say, exactly. It ties into Telon as, as well. I I think, like, this whole connection of how the Curl Leosin is not a sealed warren, and the Telon warren draws from it, I do think, it, for me, it's solidifying more that the undead dragon and Gessler, them going in the Salanda through that fiery warrant, I do think they are the trespassers. So yeah. we'll see. Um, <laughs> I I really like how the Imas kind of suss out that the Leosin god is uh, super shady and immediately just decide to go kill it. It's like, yeah, this thing needs to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Imas are so cool. <laughs> And then That's they kill him. I think Except they're me, fiery. 
<laughs> They're very hot, not cool. <laughs> That's true. They come from Talon, so... I, I don't think it's mean to kill a pretender god, you know? Says wizard familiar. Well, yeah, they know that. familiar. <laughs> it was just a demon that was uh, manipulating just a Leosin demon, from what you they know. Racist. Well, it <laughs> is a demon, <laughs> so le- If anything we know about the Leosin is that they deserve it. Maybe the Leosin deserve it. What did that demon do? Yeah. Manipulated an right. entire race of people. But if he, the... g- he gave them purpose when their god was missing. He, he yeah, helps. he gave them a crutch. Absolutely. <laughs> this is not how I thought it was gonna go. I don't I don't <laughs> thinking I don't think living life based on a lie is a, is a good thing. But I don't know, maybe I'm uh, but it's maybe not there's just, different maybe there's it's different. It's not just a here. lie. He also was like keeping you know the 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 seat of power of that Warren, like he was holding true. it down. While yeah, it was a complete true. lie. He was also fulfilling a lot of the duties of a god. Yeah, supposedly. And uh, well, is uh, was that was that a good thing, or is it going to lead to more trouble down the line? Who knows? We shall see. We shall see. But would it have led to trouble if the Imas didn't decide to go kill themselves a demon just because? Um. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I think so. Well. <laughs> Okay, yes, there's a lot of stuff happened. I don't even know how to get going on this. Um, it was a long chapter. It sure mm-hmm. was. I'm going to go, like, chronological. How about that? Sergeant Cord and Kalam. Sergeant Cord was so happy to give up command of the company. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Just like, nope, you want, you want the burden of command? Sure. Go ahead, Kalam. And then Kalam going into the water... That scene where the statue just like reaches up and grabs him, like I jumped when I was mm-hmm. reading. I was like, "Oh my god!" It's like a horror scene. I hate this. Yeah. It was pretty scary. It was awesome. Yeah, that demon is uh pretty demonic. Well, yeah, yes. Topol guy. It was a yeah, possessed a Topol guy. At another uh, time in this book where somebody unleashed an ancient evil and then was bitten in the ass for it. Yes, but then he promptly dealt with it. <laughs> yes, but that poor um, and Carl and Carl, like it was just doing its thing. It was just getting a drink of water. Mm-hmm. And then next thing now he knows. Yeah. yeah, now it's stuck in a Thelemin Topolkai body. Is that what happened to the switch bodies? Yes. Okay. We got a little perspective from the Incarl in the Toblokai body. I didn't know if that was the spirit in the Toblokai body. I thought that was like right before it drank the water and got possessed. I'm pretty that... sure it like it like thought about using the body of the Toblokai in that scene. I'm going to be fairly honest. Sure. That scene was confusing for me because it was like Tog and Fanderay needed a champion but then i thought that that was before the Encaro role got possessed by the demon we're all looking at our books <laughs> yeah uh yeah yeah it was the uh i think they did switch places but now it's okay. so raged in a strange gallant body no wings no thundering hearts no stra- uh, no prey laden scent to draw from the desert's night air something held it down and imprisonment was proving a si- swift path to mindless madness okay. far above Fortress was silent and dark. Yeah, and it goes on for a while, like a page. Okay. And Kal- and then Kalam was like paralyzed. Thought he broke his spine. Mm-hmm. The demon yes. was inside the the Toblokai 
to begin with, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the demon switched into the Incarl body. And as far as we know, the demon's dead when Kalam killed the Incarl. But I don't know if that's true or not. And then the Incarl is now in the Toblakai body and it has some purpose. Now. Well, it's going to be a champion for Tog and Fanaray. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if it can, If it can get out of the chains or whatever whatever and how many champions do they need they already got a talk yeah, they need a ton uh, man they have talk as the mortal sword yeah <gasps> i thought a mortal sword was pretty much a champion in a lot of ways yeah you could have you could have more than one i mean you can have more than one mortal sword but you could have one champion then the champions aren't special <laughs> whatever okay. and then kalam gets rescued by pust mm-hmm. yes oh, pust yeah. is a bro famosity City, yes. But also, Pust having possession of those shadow diamonds, that is a bit of a scary thought. Like <laughs> You've seen what one of those demons can do. Exactly. I, I, I don't really trust Pust with a whole bag full of them. And uh, I do. Why, why does Cotillion need Kalam to give Pust the diamonds? Like, couldn't he just give it to him himself? God's work in mysterious ways. Yep. Ah. Uh, <laughs> maybe he wanted uh, Kalam to have it up to that point in his journey maybe well then he um Kalam got to keep a few right later on so did he yeah yeah, yeah I think he kept a few. Pus gave him gave him some oh I missed that but Pus hiding from Magora oh my goodness that's hilarious <laughs> that's a good duo them chasing I, I each other that. over dishes is <laughs> so real yes we haven't seen each other in months perfect marriage yeah, man, I need a dishwasher. That's what I got out of that scene. I mean, can you get a, a machine? No. Okay. <laughs> Apartment rules. Oh, that's sad. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind washing the dishes. <sighs> I don't either. It lets me read. I'd rather wash dishes than clean the bathroom. That I can agree with. Yes, but mm-hmm. that's not a high bar. <laughs> Fair. Um, okay, where are we? Onrak pledges himself to troll Sengar. Mm-hmm. And I took that as, like, because he's cut off from his people, he he saw, like, pledging himself to troll as a way to survive, and therefore, like, troll would have an obligation to keep Onrak around? I don't know. He gave himself purpose after he lost his purpose. Okay, yeah, that, that's a better he way to look at his it. Own. I think it probably also helped him stay with Troll through the portal. Ah, uh, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why he did it when he did it. You know, he just bound himself to Troll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like his musings on understanding the people who decided to uh, break ties with the rest of the Yamas. He's like, man, I, I totally get it now. <laughs> he does understand. Yeah. But he still, uh, you know, has that mission, sort of. Oats, anyone? I had one thing. Oh, right. What do you guys think about uh, Anderist being Anamander's brother? Cool. Right? They're very different. Very different people, yes. They took different paths in life. And yet Anderist was the one stuck with all of uh, the kids. I I really do. None of whom were his own. (laughs) I really do like how Anderist is like, oh, yeah, Raekwon's blah, blah, blah. Tell him to come do it himself. Tell him to come tell me himself. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, that is a sad part that, um, like, he and Rake weren't able to have one last meeting before Anderis died. 
died, which mm-hmm. I think Endurus is dead dead. I don't think he's coming back. I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think he would come back. Man, uh, even not being dragon blood stuff, uh, the Tice Andy live a long time. <laughs> they do. Animander's been around for a while, let's just say. And uh, Anderus was still kicking by uh, by this time, even though he looked really, really, really old. Yes. I have no quotes. Okay. Chapter 13. Great. Cool. Chapter 13. Leoman departs the whirlwind. Felicin Younger is mutilated at the hands of Bidithal. Lorik tries to repair the damage the Imos have done. Hiboric trips out and becomes High Priest of the Furries. So, uh, not by far the, the least important part of this chapter. But we find from the Queen, find out from the Queen of Dreams that Anamander pretended to be human for two hundred years. Mm-hmm. I want to hear that story. <laughs> As a Isn't bodyguard too. As a bodyguard. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was taking orders from someone. What's that like? <laughs> Probably relief. Depending well, maybe. on when. He strikes me as a kind of person who uh, doesn't like being told what to do. But uh, who knows? We haven't heard that story. Maybe he was in love. Animander? Yeah. <sighs> Maybe. Um, did uh, any of you uh, crock the Hiboric acid trip? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you did? Wow. Mm-hmm. Well. Grok means to completely understand. That's well, I mean, I understand you. that it was an acid trip. <laughs> 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 and Drinking like. special tea. Yeah, the tea basically was weakening the effects of the Odotaro that was in him. And he basically was in this alien world where maybe that's where the crippled god came from. Wasn't he like floating in outer space? Yeah. Yeah, some kind of abyss. A good way of interpreting it. Giants, like, cartwheeling, being sucked into a rent. This is the Jade, Jade statues, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he he thought they were pursuing the crippled god, but I was like, I'm like, is that just his interpretation? And they're really like being like, oh, we got to rescue our buddy, or family member, or something. Or are they really pursuing questions. the crippled god? Yeah, and they the statues were like filled with people. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. That was unexpected, completely. So. And so, like, as soon as the Odotero is gone, he wakes up and Treach is like, gotcha! Basically. He's like a tiger dude now. You're now my destriant! He didn't even, like, get any choice. No conversion of faith. Uh, Treach isn't big into consent when it comes to appointing his champions. Mm. (laughs) Well, Havorik is okay with an F word. Yeah, he yeah. well he got something out of it, right? He got like, you know, his his strength back and vision back. He's not blind. Um but he did kind of lose some things. It seemed like he lost a bit of his soft softer sensitivity. Yeah, because the That's... first thing he said after he got his powers is like I'm gonna have to learn to ignore people's cries around me. He needs to filter out mm-hmm. the the noise. Um, the one part that I did really pick up was um, he, he he was like, there's the scent of violence in the air. Like, there was blood. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was probably just a domestic dispute. And I'm like, is that Fellas and Younger getting... Yes. Yeah, that yeah. was definitely it. So when he... 
when Havoric finds out about it, I expect him to have a pretty adverse reaction, but with him and Treach now being paired, I don't I don't know. Maybe he won't be as um, affected. Um, um, they knew he wanted her and they did nothing. They did nothing. Uh, should yeah. we just talk about it right now? Might as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bidathal, a piece of turd. Yeah. And this section, like, I had a lot of thoughts and reactions to it. Like, my first one was anger, because I was very angry at Bidathal for doing what he did, and I was very angry at Silgar mm-hmm. for um, his part in it, and all the other people who knew of the danger, but, like, what were they doing? <laughs> ah. Right? They totally should have killed Bidathal. I implore anybody who feels rage at this, which should be everybody, to think about why and blame yourself too, because this kind of stuff happens and you're probably not doing anything to help. Well, not I, I everyone's we, in a position to help. Yeah, I, I think there's there, some... There are ways to help. I think there's some nuances and like uh, realities that we have to deal with because like female genital mutilation really is a thing in our world. Mm-hmm. And it's been a thing for a really long time. There are cultures that practice it because it's tradition, not necessarily because, you know, there's any medical benefits, despite what they may think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the the reasoning, because when you're reading Bidathal's reasoning for doing it, that's where it's a lot of the problem, that's the root of the problem, right? And in our DMs, I was like, wow, this is the first, like, real instance of true sexism that I've seen in Malazan thus far and I was not expecting it um so it did it did catch me by surprise by like Bidathal's thinking and rationale and I was very angry like as a woman I had a very very strong <laughs> adverse reaction to this mm, yes as a as a man I also have a strong adverse reaction <laughs> as a human um, the art. yeah it's like, okay, I think Malakrel has almost nothing on Bidithal. Because Malakrel, at least he's like, he's kind of properly scummy. Bidithal preys on children as like his primary thing. And nope, that's a, that's a hard deal breaker for me. I don't... Malakrel <laughs> worked with Carbolo Dom who murdered 1,200 children. Or yes, to at least. yes. Malakrel's not a good person. But like everyone in the whirlwind is working with Carbolo Dom. So like you know, even Lorik. Yeah, I uh I yeah, I don't think there's really a good reason for them not to have killed Bidithal. Well yeah, I mean so even if they weren't gonna kill him, which they should have, uh the um it it was really frustrating because they were like, Oh, at least we'll save this one girl that we know mm-hmm. and they like had a plan for how to save her, and then they just like sat on it and were like, Oh, it, this this will keep. None of them were watching her. They all left. Well, their plan was to send Haborik off with her so that to get her away from Bidithal. And then Haborik just like stayed camped out and didn't leave. And yeah, none of them were watching her. So, of course. Was was that? I don't think that was the original plan from like Leoman and. Yeah, no. They were going to send him to the Jade statue. They were going to send him to the Jade statue with her. 
And they were like, oh, and that'll keep her out of Bitithal's grasp, you know, until yes. the rest of this stuff will happen. It, it was Felicen talked about. Was, was gonna go, Felicen Younger was going to go with Yeah, I know, I know Felicen Younger was going to go, but I think the first time it's brought up is from Felicen Younger. Yes, she suggested yeah. the plan. Uh-huh. And by that time, I think Carsa had already gone. Um, I don't think she told Leoman about it. Was that the journey that uh, Felicen Elder was talking about, uh, keeping him work from doing? Yes. Because she's like, hey, just stick around and then I'll teleport you to the island. Um, but I, I think, I mean, I don't necessarily want Bitterfell to die, per se. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> like, be tortured a thousand times or whatever, very slowly. Um, but I think that the main thing was separating prey from the predator hmm. that's yeah. what needed to happen right? i think they could have done that at the very least because that's yeah. like totally within their power they just kind of let him do his thing entirely without any interference i just think it's despicable that they only care about pelison yeah right um and the other thing is like what you know there there's probably how do i say this so one of the things that does happen when you put this kind of thing on the page is that now there's something to examine, right? If if we didn't see Bidithal's perspective about the reasoning of why he did it, there would be, um, like, you wouldn't be able to examine his reasoning for it. And one of the things that I think Erickson could be trying to do is bringing the the disc the ugliness of what people do to each other into the light so that people can see it and acknowledge it and not like it, it's harder to just ignore it you know yeah i mean bitithal is certainly not like cartoonishly evil he's evil in a very very real way yes right a very realistic way that does exist in our world yes mm -hmm. i'm still angry yeah you should be um i think that's a good way uh for this chapter in the notes i'm gonna i think we should put a link to charities fighting this kind of thing sure and encourage people to give to the those. the world health organization has a really good web page that talks about um this issue um so if people are interested to learn more i really recommend that resource oh yeah we uh loric is uh <laughs> trying to do some damage control which i think is uh, funny with okay. the queen of dreams i feel bad for loric i don't so previously <laughs> i had said i thought hey maybe loric is osric no it's his son <laughs> mm -hmm. i said he was a tysleosian and he was Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, why, why don't you feel bad for Lorik? The dude lost his, his best friend. Uh, yeah, he lost his familiar. Yeah, um, he's keeping company with some very bad people. That's right. And, and also, uh, have you seen the Leosin? They're they're awful. Like he was the, the one primarily responsible for freezing their culture and the the where it is. I think. I think if they weren't so isolated, I think if they didn't have the fallback of a fake god to worship then maybe they would have been exposed to the outside world and, you know, realized that, oh, we're actually not all that. <laughs> you know? Like, what happened to Karsa? I, I think Lorik's quite different from the other, other Leosin. I think he is, too. 
I think he's like a decent guy, but I don't agree with the things he does at all. <laughs> also, the Queen of Dreams is mysterious, right? That scene was so cool. And it's when she like pulled her like, hand out of the well and it's just like covered blood. in blood. Yeah. And she uh, said she she was going to help Lorik. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was going to find someone, set someone up for it. And I, I was just like, Ikarium? Escarpus? Bowden? Rake? But Any not someone that Lorik would approve of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Queen know. of Dreams, man. <laughs> Tris. Yeah. Um, we did... So I know that Rake is at least 1,200 years old because that's when the chaining of the cripple god was. Hmm. One of them, at least. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's much older than that. <laughs> I, I, Yes, he is much older. He's yeah. at least 1,200. At least, yeah. We found a lower bound. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was something that the Queen of Dreams said that Lorik was like, oh, that's a strange statement, but I, I'm not really sure why it's a strange statement. She said, Talon and Thyre were ever close, and now more than ever. Mm-hmm. The significance of that, I'm like, is Talon the bridge between uh, Emmeline and Thyre? And uh, not Emmerlan, it would be Leosin. Okay, Leosin. Because yeah, Emmerlan is it the just, one of shadows. Um, it just became closer in the, the ritual with Troll and then the Imas entering, I believe. So is, is it going to be like they're just going to become one Warren? Like Talon? But Talon. Never mind. You know what? Fusion. My brain hurts. I think we also get confirmation that Talon existed before the Imas did their ritual here, which is okay. A nice thing to sort out. Wait, didn't we already originally know that? part of the Beast Fold, right? Talon? Well, it's descended from Leosin. So. Descended from Leosin. Well, it you know Leosin is the parent Warren, I think. Ah, uh, that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah, because from light came fire. Is the is the idea? And also, Le- uh, Leosin is also sand aspected, as we see. And Talon is dust-aspected, which is pretty cool. We also got um, Pearl reading a big monolith of everyone who was present to the chaining, I think. <laughs> uh, chaining. A lot of help that was. <laughs> I mean, he got some information. <laughs> the end of the chapter was set up for something that we could all anticipate. Mm-hmm. Huh. Ellison making a pact with uh, Barok. We shall ensure that Bidithal's death is in a manner to match his crimes, and it shall be kindly. Yeah. Remember, Yasna, you had said Shaik may be the queen of House of Chains? Mm, yes, I do remember that. Do you still think so? I don't know. She uh, she doesn't seem like she's uh, interested in the Cripple God's bullshit. I, I think maybe Felison could be that. Felison Younger. Maybe, Maybe. Interesting. just Interesting. with this this interaction, I don't know. I mean, she would definitely have the reasoning to. Mm-hmm. Oh, back to Haboric getting um, Treach being becoming the destrian for Treach. So, and I'm getting into quotes here. Uh, Haboric says, "No gifts were truly clean in the giving," and that reminded me of. Um, something that reminded me of um there is this marcel mouse who was basically an anthropologist before anthropology became a thing 
he studied gift exchange practices in different societies, such as like the potlatch of indigenous peoples in the Pacific Northwest. And Mouse argued that gifts are never truly free. Like there's an innate obligation to reciprocate the giver. And he shows that in human history, there's it's full of examples of gifts bringing about reciprocal exchange. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a nerd for this kind of stuff. So I had um, studied Mouse and the gift um, in college, and I got a kick out of this line. No <laughs> gifts were truly clean in the giving. And if you are also a nerd uh, in this kind of philosophy, check out The Gift, Forms and Functions of Exchange in Archaic Societies by Marcel Mouse. I think if you give a gift with strings, it automatically doesn't become a gift. Well, you should go read Mouse's uh, essay. <laughs> No, I, I, I'm familiar with the concept. It, it comes up a lot in the Book of the Fallen. I just, I have a problem with that line of thinking. Steve is definitely someone who is, uh, understands the concept. Yeah, well, it's not, yeah. it's not like you, even if you say there are no strings attached to a gift, there's an innate like feeling from the person receiving the gift to want to reciprocate. Mm-hmm. And it's not because the giver is saying you have to reciprocate. And it, he goes into about how, like, the giver's identity gets, basically, it becomes part of the gift. And so the the giver is, like, giving a part of themselves to the recipient. And then it goes from there. Anyway, it's yeah. fascinating. Gotta be careful about who you accept gifts from. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yes. Should we move on? I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Chapter 14. Karsa confronts Ikarium inconclusively. He then frees a jagat and comes across an Imos armory, freeing the unbound as well. Another Karsa Karsa solo chapter. I am stealing Mappo's explanation of convergence for my Pathfinder game. (laughs) Convenient, right? Yeah. Yeah. I already gave them one. That's the one I I gave them, basically. It's what you just Mm -hmm. said, Ash. But, it's, but uh, Mappo has a very different explanation. <laughs> it's very much a truism, though. Like it's not a, it's not just a Malazan thing. Like convergence happens uh, out here as well. It's not always inevitable. It's not inevitable, but you know, it's pretty hard to avoid. We've given it enough time, sure. I mean, there are empires that lasted forever without much uh, outside influence. Or Karsa sucker punches Akarium. What a dirty fighter, right? Okay. So <laughs> first of all, blue balls. Rilanderus, whatever. Rilanderus, he warns Karsa, mm-hmm. "Don't fight the the travelers you're gonna come across, like the trail that you're on. Don't fight them because the world will come to regret it." <laughs> like, hello, it's very clear. Don't do this. But Karsa is one of those people. Is like, if you tell me to not do something, I'm gonna go do it. Mm-hmm. Challenge and... accepted. Oh! <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, where was the challenge? Was it just because Ikarium was like staring at him for a little too long? and Or like because Mappo was like exposing all of this information that they know about Karsa just by like l- looking at him? Like, why did Karsa have to feel like he needed to fight Ikarium? Ikarium felt it too. Said no. Ikarium was like... <laughs> I feel pathos like I don't normally feel it. Better, might as well get this over with. Uh, 
So it's like two magnets being like pulled yeah. together towards each other. You can't Fine. tell me you've never seen another woman and be like, oh man, I gotta fight her. No. <laughs> what do I gotta fight anyone? Unless they're gonna be a threat to me. And like, Akarium was just like doing his thing. I think Incarium is kind of implicitly a threat to everyone, though. <laughs> I, guess. I don't fight people anymore, but when I did, they gave me really good reasons to. Yeah. <laughs> a lot better than, like, you look similarly tough to me. Let's fight. <laughs> so here, you want to hear the really bad joke? Sure. So the joke is, and you have to pretend to laugh, Yeah. <laughs> a trail, a dag, and a Thelamin Poblakai walked into a bar. Before the Jag and the Toblakai could react, the Trell knocked both of them out. Uh-huh. And I want to thank Lee uh-huh. for the inspiration. Oh, 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 oh. He, he, Shut he, up. He, okay, he. you're done. Thanks. Tor, Tor is going to appreciate it at least, I think. <laughs> I mean, they, he, Erickson literally wrote the line, a Trell, a Jag, and a Thelemon Toblakai. And you cannot oh, it was intentional. leave that hanging. Yeah. He can. He does no. it all the time. <laughs> it's well, I I just think that that entire scene is setting up this joke that I just told because mm. that's exactly what happened. Well, except uh, do you think the... Ikarium yeah. and Carso will meet again and have their confrontation? Yes. Yes. Who do you think will win? Carsa. Mm. <laughs> Carsa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. So something that's Oh, what confused me, right, is why does Rolandris know this, and why is he telling anybody? Um, Wait, what? I think Rolandris knows this just because he's like a powerful dude who's seen it all, essentially, and, uh, you know, knows that Karsa is a Banff and knows that Ikarian's a Banff, so they shouldn't meet. Mm. <laughs> How many wolves is he up to now? Uh, I think Twelve in 12. this location, I think. Yeah. Because a score is 12. Uh, a score and is 20. A score is 20. Oh, a score is okay, 20. So it must be 20 then. That is 20. And how many was it in Deadhouse Gates? Seven? Something like that. So, like, when Dang. he gets more divers forms, does his soul taken form get, like, huger? Huger. <laughs> um, more, more forms indicates more power. Right. But I'm saying, is he also more powerful in his soul taken form? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> what kind of a question is that? Because <laughs> we know he's a soul taken from the uh, stuff about the first empire. Yeah. So he's a soul taken and a divers. Maybe they're just like smaller wolves. They're like knee high or uh, ankle high. They are not. I, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing like a two story jackal for his soul taken <laughs> form. Instead of like more wolves, he just gets bigger and bigger. Speaking of the First Empire, Carsa stumbled upon a uh, seven-headed hound statue. That mm. Ikarium was uncovering. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, what was Why? up with that? There's so many hounds. Why? Why are there so many hounds? Because Erickson is a dog person. <laughs> He's a dog person and a horse person. Half dog, half horse. That's why he has dogs the size of ponies. So he can have his cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, like, were the Hounds of Darkness and the Hounds of Shadow originally one seven-headed beast? Or is it, like, a Ooh. metaphor? Well, Troll has some speculation, or is it Onrak? I think Onrak. Yeah, that the Hounds of Shadow are literally the shadows of the Hounds of Darkness. Well, yeah, but I'm saying we got a seven-headed 
figure of a hound. So is there like maybe they split into seven individuals? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like they used to be one, and they fragmented. Possibly, yeah. But or maybe it's just a metaphor, and the do- the one dog figure represents the like. Are, are there seven hounds of shadow? I don't actually know. I thought there was five. That's because two were thrown into the gate of darkness and kind of ah. separated. Ah, so there were seven, presumably yeah. when the statue was made, unless it's like two years old. Yeah, seven. Mm. Is Carsa the Knight of Chains or not? Because. <laughs> Like he was basically given this position, and it seemed like he's like, "Nah, I'm good, thanks." Yeah, I feel like basically the crippled god was like, "We're gonna make this guy the the knight of high house chains," and then Carsa was like, "Or I'll cut one of my gods in half and take her head with me in my backpack." And so he's not he's not taking yeah. it, but maybe he also doesn't have a choice the way that none of the other mortal swords get a choice. Maybe. Can can you decline this job application? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> job offer. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. The uh, the cutting the Yamas in half doesn't happen until chapter seventeen. It's, yeah, it's later. That's that's but... true. But she asked a question that had bearing yeah. on that moment. Yeah, so. I know. I should have waited. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I was waiting for that, but yeah, at the end of this chapter, it seemed like Karsp was all into it. Like hell yeah, I'll become the ha- uh, house uh, yeah. mortal sword. Knight of chains. Yeah, my knight. Yeah, not mortal sword. You bet. Yeah, everyone will witness what I'm going to become. I read it as him being like, "I figured out that that's what you want," and that it yeah. was like a cliffhanger of like. It, yeah, but like anymore. I think Erickson was leading the reader into the direction like, "Oh, Carson's going to do this." Yeah, and then later on, it's like, "Nah." Nope. He also frees a jagat. No doubt, making Hiran very happy. I love the jagat. They're the best. They're not my favorite. They're so good. I love They're them. so funny. I like how in these chapters uh, we see an example both of them destroying the environment and keeping the environment preserved. That is true, yes. Yeah. <laughs> What's the and destroying one? When the four Jagat tyrants banded together, they vow to destroy the land. Mm. And also, um, I believe the Jagat were just responsible for a lot of... Well, like a Jagat had taken up residence in the spot and then subsequently the environment changed and a bunch of the animals either migrated or starved to death because everything froze. So I really liked uh, Carse's uh, critique of political economy, and I thought it was pretty poignant for a dude that's never studied it, because, like, <laughs> I didn't come to any of these conclusions without reading books, and I doubt that Carse has read many books. <laughs> he says, in his, his internal, or like the narrator says from his viewpoint, the notion of a life spent tilling fields was repellent to the tabular warrior. The reward seemed to be exclusive to the highborn landowners, whilst the laborers themselves had only a minimal existence, prematurely aged and worn down by ceaseless toil. And the distinction between high and low status was born from farming itself, or so it appeared to Carsa. Wealth was measured in control over people, and the grip of that control could never be permitted to loosen. Odd, then that this rebellion had had nothing to do with such inequities, that in truth it had been little more than a struggle between those who would be in charge. <laughs> I, that's a pretty poignant uh, response to the apocalypse as well. And he goes on to even say more about the apocalypse, but it's stuff we've said on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. So, yep. He's got the apocalypse begged. It's just people fighting over a little power they have and not caring anything about the little guy. But then he's still working for them. Wow. <laughs> he left. Sort of working for them. 
<laughs> yeah, but he plans to meet back up with, the, or as far as we know, he plans to meet back up with uh, Leoman. Mm-hmm. When you get close to people, I mean, presumably he's friends with Leoman, right? You want to fight for people beside you. Um, I think it was John Locke that was big on hunter-gathering society. Carsa <laughs> uh, is definitely a fan of him, or would be. Carsa is very smart. <laughs> I think everyone has to acknowledge this, right? He's very smart. Yeah. He's think, very smart, think, but he does dumb things a lot. <laughs> I think his ghosts are helpful, too. Yeah. Yes. Well, oh, yeah, they're so cool. I didn't make any notes about them, but I loved the ghost thing and how he put them in the sword so they didn't have to meet Hood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so cool. Chapter 15. Tavor's Legion joins with the Kundril Burn Tears. Strings has a song stuck in his head. A river is crossed. I love the Kundril. Kundril are cool. Guilt. Their guilt, man. That survivor's guilt. Yeah. yeah. Oof. But it's a little more than just survivor's guilt. They're yeah. like, we didn't go with. We didn't help out. We didn't die with them, specifically. We didn't oh, help out true. enough. Like, we... He, he specifically said, like, oh, we went back to, like, lick our wounds. Mm-hmm. While the chain of dogs went battle after battle to the final battle. It yeah. could have been different at this stage. But I love them because they came back. They took that <laughs> guilt they and they made an action and they fed everybody and they're just fun. <laughs> and they got everyone drunk. Yeah. And they fixed the power butt balance within the uh, within the Wiccan camp yes. by becoming. Yeah, Wiccan. that was so good. Yes. Fiddler helped. They got everyone drunk except for Stormy Gessler and Truth. Because oh, they can't get drunk. Can't get drunk. Well, and people like uh, Gamut and. Who have, uh, uh, yeah, kind of who've had it before. <laughs> decided not to. Yeah, fermented milk doesn't sound great. Dude, it sounds like the worst combination of things that make you sick. <laughs> yeah, I believe it was only invented by step tribes because they had literally nothing else to ferment. <laughs> I mean, they... you know, fermented milk becomes cheese, I guess. But drinking cheese yeah. just doesn't sound good. I, well, it's, it's, I don't think it's quite analogous. I don't know if cheese has any alcoholic content, though. You know, it maybe doesn't. it doesn't, it's loose stuff. It, it doesn't. <clears throat> but Fiddler helping Temel, that was really nice. Mm. Just the, the interaction there. Don't get off your horse. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> we are not Wiccans, but this I swear, we shall strive to be. And now they are Wiccans. Yeah. And now they are Wiccans. <laughs> But it was it was a sad and beautiful one. Hmm. I have a quote about this scene, so I'm just going to plug it here. With the sound of a wave rolling up a league-long strand of beach, weapons were unsheathed along the ridge, a salute voiced by iron alone. A shiver rippled through strings. It's so poetic, and I just mm-hmm. love that imagery. And when I read it, I was like, oh, I got yes. shivers too. Yeah. Um. I, the, I, I really sympathize with the uh, burned tears um, because I like I don't, I don't know if this is a common feeling, but um, because of various events that have happened in my life, various things that I've been through, I, I do and have had a lot of things like survivor's guilt um, and also somewhat separately, just the feeling that I don't belong anymore. Mm. Um, so it's. Yeah, it's really nice to see that represented in Malazan because it's not something you see very often, I think. Like, I, like obviously, 
everyone has an issue with belonging, but like belonging even just to the world of the living is uh. it's uh not a great feeling to have when you're surrounded by it. well it, it's not a great feeling to have <laughs> let me just say yeah. that um I, I imagine people with depression can very much sympathize uh, because that's that's the stem of my thing and it's a hard thing to get over i will just say uh-huh. i guess and you don't have to answer if you don't want to like how did you get over or are you over it? i wouldn't say i'm completely over it um but a lot of hard work a lot of help from people mm-hmm. a lot of determination um therapy and medication uh and you know the problem still isn't solved but it it's alleviated somewhat um so you know it, there's always hope right mm-hmm. well i'm glad you're here on the podcast with us <laughs> thank you i uh I, I i quite enjoy my time here as well it does sometimes feel like a little therapy session <laughs> in a lot of ways right um Lazen <laughs> really captures the breadth of human experience though i think in a way that almost nothing else does i haven't spoken to anybody at like this kind of length about a book like i've been in book clubs and you know you talk about what you read what you think but not anything as extensive as this and Mm -hmm. it it's definitely a very interesting experience and rewarding experience yeah 100 percent. is anyone else excited to meet uh sormo sormo yes yeah, that was cool. Got eaten by the butterflies, but hasn't gone away. And there there may be more than just Sormo, because he mm, says, he says we, we await, reawaken or something. Mm-hmm. And Fiddler. Oh, poor Nil another. They mm-hmm. were like waiting for Sormo to come and speak to them, and he didn't. He went to Fiddler instead. Yeah, he's not Wiccan anymore, right? And Fiddler oh. came over there because he thought they were singing. And then he was like, I just stopped that singing. And they were like, what's it? Oh, yes. And he's <laughs> like, oh, wait, the song's in my head. I, I get the feeling that the uh, the, the song of uh, Kimlock is quite the banger. I would like to hear it. <laughs> he, Fiddler's like, they need practice or something. It's <laughs> 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 off key. Have you listened to the instrumental uh, Bridge Burners theme? Oh, it's pretty good. Ooh, okay, I'll have to look that up. So is song for, for Coltane. Uh, by who? Mm. I don't remember, but you will just type in Malazan into like YouTube music. You'll find this stuff. Hmm. Maybe Caladan okay. Brood. Like somebody called Caladan Brood. Oh, there's a metal group called Caladan Brood. Oh, no, it's not it. metal. It's like really pretty, like instrumental music. Okay, I'll look it up. Not that metal can't be pretty, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> not, it's not amplified. It's is this the chapter where they they cross the uh, the river of blood? Yep. Yeah, but yes. not a bridge that is held there by blood. Mm-hmm. The Devor's army is literally following the same path as a. I know this is like I can't imagine walking this path that the chain of dogs took. Like it's and for the people who have gone through it before already, it's. Just, psychologically that's Mm -hmm. uh. but of course it's a completely different experience like instead of like oh if we get to Arin at the end we might be safe which of course doesn't turn out to be true right it's you know we're we're more or less safe 
<laughs> and then at the end we get to die mm. you know so that's a very different uh yeah <laughs> experience yep. i think this book has maybe the strongest theming we've seen so far because it's very much about being lost and trying to find your way and it's like echoed across all the storylines and i think it's done very well and even if you just look at nil and nether they are in, in many ways children that are lost and trying to find themselves again yeah well same thing for like the crow clan right mm-hmm. they they've lost their leader and and Tavor is trying to find out what kind of leader she is, as are the uh, people mm-hmm. following her. She's called the Plain Woman by the Burned Tears, and I she's she doesn't seem like a person overly concerned about her appearance, but still, that's got a sting, right? <laughs> I have a feeling that she's actually quite ugly because most people don't say she's plain to somebody who's actually plain. Uh, I think she's plain. She's like Strings thinks of her as plain, right? Uh, maybe. Um. Yeah, that's just how I think of her. Plain and with big boobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really liked their religious explanation for why people get hangovers. I missed that. What was it? A gamut says, it, I mean, he doesn't say, it's the narrator, but Drunken Oblivion was, each time, a small temporary death. Hood walked where the self once stood, and the wake of the god's passage sickened mortal flesh afterwards. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I miss that. Uh, I do think that we're gonna see more of Cotain. Uh, we haven't really seen him yet, um, but I think we will. Just you know, the the big dog. What's the big dog's name? Uh, uh, Bent. 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 Right. Bent Bent's like Roche. looking around <laughs> for him. Mm-hmm. He's trying to find Coltane. And then, uh, who who was it? Was it Keneb? Keneb was just like he's here. Like it's hard to miss him. Yeah. Coltane's legacy is all around. Yeah. Actually, Coltane, though, because he's, he's a kid somewhere. Yeah, he's a On kid somewhere clan, in yeah. that clan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's another really strong theme in this book, is like seeing the, the aftermath of mm-hmm. the Chain of Dogs and how it, like the ripple effect it has on everyone on the continent. In some ways, mm-hmm. the shadow. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on a less somber note, I thought Fiddler... Uh, Talking about things slipping his mind was pretty funny. Yes, I had that too. They're like, oh, did it slip your mind that we didn't see them either? He's like, yep, and there it goes again. Slipped my mind. (laughs) Yeah, giving giving his squad crap for not having spotted the Kundro scouts. Yeah, that was funny. Um, And, oh, we got a discussion between uh, Gessler and Storm... uh, Not Stormy, uh, Gessler and Fiddler, which Mm -hmm. is pretty heavy you know it's like what else would you do this is this is all you're good for if you want to know just throw yourself on someone's sword yeah i have that as uh one of my quotes um gessler says it's bad when you lose them friends i mean makes you wonder why you're still here why the damn sack of blood and muscles and bones keeps on going so you run then what nothing you're you're not here but wherever you are you're still there. And I think that's really true of anything, like almost anything you run away from, like you're, you may have physical distance, but there's still emotional and psychological healing that needs to occur as well. And then um, Gessler continues to say, 
you want it to end, well, there's a battle coming. Should give you plenty of opportunity. Throw yourself on a sword and you're done. Gessler paused and jabbed a finger at strings. But that's not the problem, is it? It's because now you've got a squad and you're responsible for them. Mm. That's what you don't like. And that's what got you thinking of running. And boy, do I relate. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to run away from my responsibilities in hardship. <sighs> yeah. We also get um, Tavor's commanders undermining her unintentionally again. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Tavor, man. <laughs> like, they mean well, but... What happened? Uh, you know when uh, Tena Baralta is like, maybe we should let the residents of the forest know that right, we're not right, 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 disrespecting right, right. them. And then... They're yeah, not crossing damn, the it's like, maybe I yeah. Maybe we should run this by the adjunct. <laughs> And then the adjunct has the same idea, you know? It shows that she's very competent, right? She knows what's going on. Right. People just need to, you know, listen to her, get used to the command structure. But, I mean, how does it undermine her that her troops had that idea 45 seconds before she did? They were going to do it without her. Yeah. Um, doing things behind a commander's back like that isn't uh, great. Yep. Chapter 16. Kalam penetrates the whirlwind with the help of Iskaral Pust. Cotillion gives Cutter his next assignment. Pearl and Lestara come across some burned rats. Onorak remembers a cool painting he did, he did one time. The Leosin resolve to find an old friend. So, um, it, it seems that Pearl and Lestara's path is obviously them towards Phyllis, and do you think they'll meet up? I think so. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Because Shai gave them this task. Tavor gave them the task. Tavor. Yeah. Or, sorry, Tavor. Wait, yeah, Tavor. Wow. Um, and uh, they've been doing a pretty good job so far. Yeah. Very competent. They are very close. Onrak thinks his painting uh, led to Kalava sleeping with him and then going and killing all those people. And also being immortal. That's so, a really cool concept. <laughs> Onrak's backstory is interesting. Like, he has this obsession with Kalava. Mm-hmm. And because... He painted Kalava in this sacred cave thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. She beca- that's how she's been like quote unquote immortal and lived so long. That's mm-hmm. just wow. He was also um, uh, a bone caster for a bit. So Oh, was he? Yeah, I think he unintentionally did some stuff there as well. Oh. And he blames himself for her killing her entire clan too. Mm-hmm. He does, because he, yeah, and he, him painting her was a crime, mm-hmm. so he was going to be exiled. Did he was married, too. Uh, he was! Poor wife! <laughs> I will, uh, I'll hesitate to uh, condemn Onrak here. <laughs> I mean, it's just a painting, right? And also, I don't know their marriage. Maybe it was very toxic. Maybe. Well, he was a... Yeah, because it's okay to cheat on people when it's toxic. Uh, well, I'm just going to say that relationships are complicated, and it's hard to have a good guy and bad guy sometimes. What were you going to say, Yesna? I was going to say that uh, he was an individualist before the ritual. So it's not yeah. just that he got, like, separated from them in the in the nascent. It's, right. He's kind of been waiting uh, hundreds of thousands of years to be able to be an individualist again. He likes that freedom. Mm-hmm. And the very next day, they decide to do the ritual, or the ritual was called. 
He's like the, the inverse of the Jakku tyrants. Uh, I believe he said that after he'd painted her, he'd, he'd come upon by a woman, and he doesn't know if it was Kalava or not. And she slept with him and went away. Yeah, it was it was Kalava that he slept with, right? And uh, if you'll recall, at the start of Memories of Ice, Kalava had just given birth. Oh. And what happened to her kid again? She lost it somehow. What indeed? Do we what do, what 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 were we told in the Memories of Ice prologue about her kid? She doesn't have I, anymore, basically. <laughs> yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought the kid died or something. We're not told anything, just that she had a kid. Mm-hmm. So the kid dying may have had something to do as well with with why she. It didn't say the flipped. kid died. Mm-hmm. She just does not have the kid. Or them taking her kid. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You could have the kid. Okay. Who is the master of the Talon? <laughs> what is the Talon trying to accomplish? I know. Cotillion knows. Yeah, Shadow Throne thinks he guessed it like immediately. Well, all they're like, all they're saying is, well, the Talon need to fail. I'm like, but why? <laughs> I mean, they're Those trying to take homies. down. your homies. <laughs> yeah, um, they're trying to take down the scene. So Shadow Throne and Cotillion, well, at least Shadow Throne was trying to get revenge um, on the scene, but now they're not. Yeah. So they basically given that up. So now they want to prevent the Talon from taking down Lacine? Question so, mark. Wait, Amanis has given up on revenge against Lacine too. Well, he's still salty so. about it, but he's. Mm. Right now, they're working to preserve the Empire. He's got bigger problems, I think. Yeah. I kind of thought that Cotillion was like, he's too blindsided by revenge. I'm doing my own thing for a little while. Wasn't that at the beginning of this book? He, Cotillion did of- say that, but I think, um, I can't remember what exactly it was, but Amanis uh, was basically, oh, maybe that was Cotillion talking to Cutter, saying that they, Lacine also had a role to play in all of this. Okay, never mind. As um, Shadow Throne and Cotillion were talking, I think somebody may have overheard them. I'm not sure because the reason why I think that is because there was a line that says um, after Shadow Throne and Cotillion finished their conversation and they were they went off somewhere. It says a moment later the glade was empty, barring a few sourceless shadows that swiftly dwindled into nothing. I'm like, whoa, was there somebody else there? Who could it be? We definitely know that they're not uncontested masters of shadow. Yes. Uh, Corporal, or Bidithal. Yes, Bidithal is very salty. The Tyst Eater are unhappy. The the Whirlwind as well, right? Uh, Goddess? Maybe, but we don't know anything about the Whirlwind Goddess, essentially. Her plans regarding... uh, Shadow. I think she's she's using uh, a fragment of Coralian Milan, right? We we know that yes. she's using a fragment, yeah. But it's Bidithal who's like, let's use that fragment to take over all of Shadow, essentially. And then yeah. he wants mm-hmm. to be the high priest of that. Yep. Yeah, this whole goddess thing, I'm just like, I really don't find it that interesting. A uh, goddess thing? The whirlwind goddess. Oh. Yeah. I just I just kind of want to want the whirlwind over with. <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. Uh, I thought that uh, Troll and Onrax moments in this chapter were really touching, and there was a lot of uh, sort of like 
solidarity and brotherhood shown, but also like a lot of like pathos to it. Uh, so like uh, Troll noticed Onrak's grief where like most mortals would not, for example. And uh, yeah, like Onrak like thought about that and how like if he was immortal, anybody would see it and say what Troll said. But Troll said the thing that he would like that you would say to a human when you saw the expressions on their face and heard their tone and so on uh, to know that they are experiencing grief. And then at the end uh, of their section, Troll's like, they suspect you will join the renegades, don't they? And Onrak says, broken kin. Aye, they do. And he says, and will you? And Onrak studies uh, Troll for a moment and says, only if you do, Troll Sangar. And I was just like... <laughs> well, someone wears the pants on the relationship now. Yeah. I mean, it's having a having a bottom and a top or a dom and a sub is a normal part of any relationship. <laughs> <laughs> or of some relationships, I should say. Some relationships. Um, Troll is one of my very favorite characters in the series. He is so cool. I think Troll and Onrak are a uh, bargain bin talking tool. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would rather have talking tool over Troll and Onrak. I like Tool more than Onrak, but I like Troll a lot more than Talk. Okay, I, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Getting this much time with Troll and um, learning about the Eater through his perspective makes me like kind of visualize the Eater like uh, the Dark Elves in um, Morrowind. Because they're, <laughs> they're not like black-skinned like the Eater are. They're like kind of ashy and, and gray, and, and they have like, you know, a pretty similar like tribal society to what we've glimpsed of the eater so far at least in some ways all right yeah i definitely get very uh native american things from vibes from uh the eater except for obviously uh, the eater are quite a bit more malicious at this point <laughs> i'm all done got a quote um so this is on rack and he says when when memories have returned troll sengar solitude is an illusion for every silence is filled with a clamorous search for meaning. Mm. I think most people could relate to that. Oh, yeah. This is why I listen to, like, music. Or, like, I need something in the background. Because otherwise... <laughs> I you just, don't get too uh... existential. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know if it's in this or in a chapter before. But uh, I think Onrak specifically calls it out. It's like every... Like, the fundamental struggles of our, all our lives is basically a search for meaning, whether it's light versus dark, life versus death, stuff like that. And it was uh, just mm-hmm. nice for him to make it explicit. Order versus chaos. I think that was that, that was the uh, prime thing, order versus chaos. That quote reminds me of um, Hamlet, when he mm-hmm. says uh, that he could live his life bound in a nutshell and uh, be content if only he didn't have bad dreams. Mm. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come. Hamlet's very scared of dreams. Uh, spoilers, I guess, for, if, <laughs> for Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. They they don't. Anyway, never mind. Whatever. <laughs> oh, something I forgot to mention. Uh, is there anywhere Ikarium hasn't been? Even the Leozen think he's a friend. He, dude, the dude's been around. Mm-hmm. And he and he seems to like when he's not like entering a barbarian region potentially destroying all of existence he seems like he's helping people out all the time he's just yeah. like making friends with everybody and trying to help them and solve their problems 
and making making timepieces and asking <laughs> a, a tree if he can have the heartwood, even though it would kill the tree. <laughs> would kill the tree. Yeah, but does he know it would kill the tree? Uh, I think the tree probably uh, explains it to him or something. I don't know. Although he yeah. forgets every time. He probably right. forgets every time. Let's be honest. Well, he do- he does. Yeah. Uh, she says it's like every time he comes over, he tries to get my heartwood. Argon again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on, Ikarium. Yeah. No means no. Yeah, I saw a picture of her today, and it's really, really beautiful. For listeners who want to see the picture of the jackhoot tree, it's uh, in the um, House of Chains guide on Reddit. Oh, also, wait, one one last thing. Uh, I think Pearl and Lestara note that the uh, explosion that killed most of the rats was uh, Leosin energy, I believe. Oh. Uh, so, uh, you know, Bowden, he got taken by, uh, Hood. He did, yes. Mm-hmm. The body, too. Yes, because it was just a shell, and... Mm-hmm. He was bathed in the ocean. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and now now we know that, uh, or at least I uh, hope we know, that Gessler, Stormy, and Truth have the power of Leosin in them. Ah. Mm-hmm. I was wrong, it wasn't Talon. It was not Talon. But there was a link because they're getting closer and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Olar Ethel took them through curled Leosin. That reminds me of the the image that I shared in our DMs of a very bronzed bodybuilder. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I think of uh, Gessler and Stormy looking like. Probably more Stormy. Stormy's a bit too hairy, I think. (laughs) Yes, I completely forgot that it was Leosin, actually. And in our spoilers episode of Dead House Gates, I was like, oh, yeah, they went through Leos and or they went through Talon. Yeah, you did your best <laughs> to confuse me. <laughs> I sound so confident, right? I, I was I was pretty certain that it was Leosin still, but, you know. Oh, OK. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting I just put the pieces together. So I was correct that they were the trespassers of the. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah it's a very safe assumption at this point. OK, got it. Got it. And Leosin has been breached. Yeah. By Olar Ethel, among others. <laughs> yep. This time, I mean, they, they, the Leosin kind of let him in, right? Uh, not not Olar on purpose. Ethel. Oh, oh, like th- this time, this time. Yes. Okay, next chapter, last chapter? Yep. Last chapter, chapter 17. Chapter 17. Karsa makes the Buster Sword, then rearranges a skeleton with it. Onrak puts himself back together. Karsa talks to a tree, and it's a surprisingly good pickup artist, at least where horses are concerned. Uh, this chapter has Cinegig, and that's why it's my favorite chapter. Cinegig. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And what a name. <sighs> He's got a good relationship with his sister, right? Is that his sister? Yeah. I think they're related. Yeah. And he was created He refers from... to her as his sister in the chapter. It could just be like, you know, the way people sometimes say, like, brother or sister to people that aren't their brother or sister, but... I think when it's uh, with the Jaghead are concerned, it's pretty much only family because they don't really have ties to anybody other than family. Mm. Even then, mm. if he... <laughs> even, yeah, even then, it's like we write each other holiday cards every thousand years or so. I just think it's really cool world building, too, that mm-hmm. she turned into the tree because uh, she got speared through the top of an Azath house. Yeah. The, a dead Azath house. Or a dead Azath house. Yeah. The one that Akarium. Wounded, yeah. Because I held Akarium's father. Who didn't want to leave. 
<laughs> There's oh, so many layers. Yeah. Uh, Karsa's sword is so cool. Like, well, he made it as cool too. Because, like, yeah. you yeah, can't do a piece say. that big. Watch me. Oh, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> well yeah. done. And he seals it with blood. Mm. Well, that was. That, that was Byroth and uh, Delum, but uh, it is sealed with blood. And then augmented with the powers of Talon. Yeah, these uh, these seven Talon Imas god thingies. So six s- now. Six, six now. now. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, Sybil is still like alive. Like, yeah. but <laughs> she is just uh, oh, yeah. Okay. God now. Right. Okay. I want to talk about this. So, uh, and and we're gonna go into quotes. Like Sybil says a bunch of stuff and. Uh, what do gods themselves worship but perfection? The un- unattainable victory over nature, over nature's uncertainty. There are many words for this struggle. Order against chaos, structure against dissolution, da-da-da-da-da. But they all mean the same thing. And we haven't talked about the theme of chaos as much, but I, I really don't quite know what to make of it um, right now, to be honest. And then Sybil goes on to say, perfection is an illusion. Thus, mortal and immortal alike are striving for what cannot be achieved. Our new master seeks to alter the paradigm, Karsa Orlong, a third force to change forever the eternal war between order and dissolution. Um, and this is something that I struggle with. Like, I'm a perfectionist, and I'm, I'm really hard on myself when I don't achieve what I think I should be able to achieve. And that creates a lot of stress and pressure on myself. And I, I recognize this, like, I need to be better about prioritizing how much, quote-unquote, perfection to deliver for things. And sometimes it's just better to do something than nothing, because there's, there can be this, like, paralysis of, I can't do it good enough, like, I can't make it perfect, so then you end up doing nothing, you know? And I know it depends on the situation, but, um, you know, it's like, it's better to clean up 15 pieces of clutter than no clutter at all. And yes, mm. you may have like more clutter left, but you're making progress little by little. Or like write that terrible first draft. Just get it out, right? Because then you have something to actually work with. And you know, there's there's that wise saying, do or do not, there is no try. Oh, I hate I- that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I take that to mean just do the thing. Like, it may be bad the first time, but you have to take that first few steps to do it. And if you have, like, hesitancy, right? Like, you may just end up not doing it. So it's better There's to... There's a have... way better uh, phrase for that than the do or do not. There is no try. What is that? Perfect. It's uh, Logan Ninefingers says it all the time, and it's one of my life mottos. Even though he's a total hypocrite. But we'll, we're not here to talk about Logan Ninefingers. He says, uh, if you've got a task to do, it's better to do it than to live with the fear of it and that mm-hmm. that doesn't have the like idealism of the do or do not as if like there's no chance you could fail mm-hmm. uh but it does have that like you know you just have to start doing it you just have to take the yeah first step. you just have to get you know get on with it right it's better to have done it and failed and learned something rather than not do it at all i mean obviously within reason um, that's how i always interpreted that quote anyway those yeah. And but the the thing is, and it goes on because Carsa is like, you know, uh, 
you guys aren't gods, you you Telonymous. And then they're like, no, we are. We are because to be a god is to possess worshippers to guide them. And Carthus is like, no, gods are there to like alleviate the burden of their followers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, I was like, Carso, you're right. You're so much more insightful than these stupid undead. One of my favorite parts of this book is him just telling off the Templar gods. Yeah, Car- Carso's viewpoint there is is actually kind of kind of a pretty Christian one. Yeah, you know, in a way, like some aspects of Christianity, at least you know you you confess and. And you go through certain rituals in the Catholic Church that help alleviate your suffering and pass right. it on to God, essentially. There are other aspects, too. I think it's just like a fundamental nature of religion generally. Uh, I think uh, pretty much all religions have that element of give and take, right? Like even the Greek gods, you go back to them. If you make a sacrifice to them, they'll help you out, right? Or they'll at least not screw you over. Um, yeah. Buddhism, if you follow the teachings of the Buddha, you'll be rewarded with um, uh, not it's not Dharma, it's uh, Is it enlightenment? It, it's enlightenment, but I forget the, the original word. There's so many sects of Buddhism there are so many different ones. It, yes. Mm. I won't get into it. <laughs> with the Greek gods, that's kind of ish, though. Like uh. You could have like two opposing forces making sacrifices for opposite things to the same god, and the gods will just like ignore one sometimes. At yeah, least but you can say like the same Homer for the Christian god. You know, people pray for victory over the enemies all the time. Usually, it's both sides doing it. <laughs> That's true. Um, yes, I'm convinced that they are on the right side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But the 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 part that Sybil goes on to say because you know to fail is to reveal a flaw. Face that revelation. Do not turn back on it. Do not make empty vows to never repeat your mistakes. It is done. Celebrate it. I'm, when I was reading that, I was like, okay, cool. That that kind of sounds good. Celebrate your mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, don't strive to be perfect. But I think there's a part that's missing from what she was saying is the learning part. <laughs> it's not like just do the same mistake over and over and celebrate that. Like, that's not good it's not growth so i i think her what she said her logic was a bit flawed and then the clincher um why the cripple god is not good because even though you know the cripple god like accepts all the broken all all the unwanted um people um does he though well this is what i'm getting at Carsa goes, what of your new master this crippled god right because after he cut sybil in half Sybil says, he has abandoned me. It would appear that there are acceptable levels of imperfection and unacceptable levels of imperfection. Mm-hmm. I have lost my usefulness. And Carsa goes, another god that understands nothing of what it is to be a god. And Carsa actually shows compassion to Sybil mm-hmm. and like doesn't leave her in this cave to just yeah. rot. And the cripple god really is no better than everyone else and in fact he's probably worse because he gives hope to the broken and then abandons them when he can no longer get use and value out of them there's also another indication here that he might be a grifter it may not be as strong as the one that you just said but uh she says this thing about like not not order or chaos but a third thing that will change the paradigm and it's like okay yeah but uh calor was using chaos uh via the crippled god and i'm pretty sure so was uh 
opinion, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, okay, really though? Are you sure about that? It's just like <laughs> chaos, know. chaos in sheepskin or something. You know, it's like it does. It might not look like chaos, but underneath it really is chaos. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's got some kind of Hegelian thing going on where he's like, oh, well, order's more dominant right now, so we'll use chaos to get to the third thing. And there's like a synthesis, but but I don't buy it. I think he's a grifter. I think his power <laughs> leans chaotic, but I don't think it like is chaos. Um, but that's uh, the discussion for probably later in the series. Um, okay. Well, they call it chaos in Memories of Ice. Well, you know, people are wrong. They could be the wrong. Time. Yeah. <laughs> the crippled god absolutely has a point. We can't attain perfection, no one can, except, like, mathematicians. <laughs> Maybe some hmm. philosophers. Uh, but, yeah, that doesn't mean you shouldn't strive for it, right? The, the value is found in the, in the pursuit, a lot of people would say. Um, it's like absurdism. It's like you accept that life has suffering and it probably doesn't have any meaning, but you strive for it anyways. Um, and, and also, the order versus chaos thing... Um, I think that also contributes a lot to our fear of the unknown. We yeah. don't like chaos. We don't like not having any control or sense of what things are going to be like, which, you know, led to order being imposed in the first place in this in this world, right? People fashioned themselves God to get gods to control death, light, dark, all those things, right? As as on my controller theorizing, maybe they gave form to the, the power that was already there. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> order versus chaos very big thing in this series but and it will ex- be explored more later on but uh, I, I don't think this is something that Steve feels he has the answers on as much as like compassion his the way compassion. that he's set up chaos so far has made it seem like it's the big bad mm-hmm. in the series and uh, yeah, at, at this point, I'm not really sure what he's trying to say, if anything, about it. Um, if if he really is trying to say that chaos is bad, I don't know. So, looking forward to learning more. If chaos wins, life dies, essentially. Um, I don't know if that's something Erickson, uh, Steve would himself agree with, but uh, it's just like a, a law of nature. Uh, heat death is coming for us all. Give it about 300 trillion years. Well, I won't be alive then, so... <laughs> Probably not. Onrak is uh, now a more complete person. Yeah, so I totally didn't get that uh, in the text. I was like, he has hands? What is he, like, turning back into a mortal? Pair of hands. He took him from Sabelle's body. Mm-hmm. I love that that uh, that reveal. I guess you is that it. what it was? Oh my god! I was like, we both missed what the it. heck? What the <laughs> heck is going on? I was like, is is like the crippled god? Was he there and put his hands on? Sengar? Like <laughs> I just took uh Sabal's body and like scavenged it for pieces. Ah, okay. But I totally didn't get it at the time either. Okay. Well, I mean, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says a moment before they emerged into the sunlight, sudden shock raced through Troll Sengar. A pair of hands. Yeah, of but hands. I thought that was like he I know. felt yeah. something. I didn't catch it my first time either because how am I supposed to know that he could take the bones from another uh, Emos or Talani? I guess right. that makes sense. I mean, like, yeah, bone transplant is a thing. Hands are such a motif in this series. You got Horrocks yeah. hands. You got the new hands. You got the jade. Yeah, the jade finger. 
You have Karsa's hands. He can't work the stone while he's all cut up. A lot of hands everywhere. The more you look, the more you find. Hammy hands are very useful. Yeah, they're our primary way of interacting with the world. And almost everybody has them. Mm-hmm. No, man, not everybody. A tiger doesn't. Almost everybody. Almost everybody, okay. A bork does not. He's got ghost he sort of hands. Does. <laughs> It's got better hands than most people, I think. Yeah, no arthritis anymore. Carson has a really cool new horse. He does. He names it Havoc. Woohoo! He's gonna wreak havoc on the world. Uh, that's also very Shakespearean, right? Cry mm-hmm. havoc and let loose the dogs of war. Quotes. Is your mind okay? So this is Cynegig. He says, "Is there some cosmic law that the Jag Hut can only use Omto's phalak? I've read a hundred thousand Yerite skies and I've yet to see it written there." Many other laws, though. Oh, yeah. I do like his method of avoiding the Emos by hiding inside a box that looks like a tree. <laughs> that looks like a rock. <laughs> no, like a rock. Right? Rock, yes. Box that looks like a rock. His explanation of the whole thing, like, dude, you, you, you talk a lot. <laughs> he, he talks a lot. He doesn't get very many opportunities, I imagine, being a Jacob. He doesn't get out much. Mm-hmm. That's his sister to talk to. And uh, the other one. I am Carso Orlong of the Urid. Yes, yes, I know from Descent Genevac. It's a little different from my fallen kin, the Jag. Ignorant of your great noble history. Less ignorant than I once was. Good. I am named Sinigig, and now you're even less ignorant. <laughs> Jag had the best. <laughs> I mean, this one is entertaining to a degree. I, uh, I like the Jagut. I don't think they're the best, and they're certainly very flawed. They do make for interesting books. I didn't think I would say this when I first read Gardens. I kind of miss Raced. <laughs> Raced is actually kind of cool. I like, I like Gothos too. He Gothos seems cool. is, yeah. yeah. Like Father, Gothos like Son. I want to know who the Jag could uh, sleep with to get Jags, though. We've left us I mean, there. I took it that she and Carsa um, got it on. So. Oh. That's what I took from that. Oh, yeah, that would make yeah. sense. I, uh, I, I honestly did not that catch all. that. But, yeah, it's... but I'm glad I'm not the only one this time because I'm sick of missing all the sexual innuendos in this book. Um. <laughs> I don't look for them, I promise. It's just, to me, they're kind of, it's just kind of there. You got the kind of mind for it, clearly. Apparently, I have a dirty mind, everyone. <laughs> I think uh, a jag is just any half jag hut. Yeah. Yeah, but she's made she implied that the breeding compatibility was with certain things, certain species. I think she might have been referring to specifically Ikaria, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I just took it as like, have you ever wondered? And she's like, oh, I have things to tell you. Mm. And, and it seemed to be in this world that literally anybody could breed with anybody and have viable offspring. Yeah, mm. essentially. They're all the same species somehow. <laughs> Maybe aren't the, aren't the jackpots humongous, though? They are. Uh, Thank I mean, goodness the Toblakai are also humongous, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we know Karsner raped that woman and got her pregnant. Yeah, that, that girl. And Toblakai are much bigger than Jagu. Okay. They are? Um, They're bigger, yeah. Oh, I've been picking, picturing the jacket bigger. Jagu are like seven feet tall. Toblakai are like eight or nine. Mm. There, there's a really cool chart online that shows like all the different, I guess, quote unquote, species and their their height relative to each other. 
Hmm. Um, I'll I'll find it and send it in the in the DMs. Just wait it's till you see uh, the Kachain Shamal Jagged Hybrid. Now that thing doesn't mess around. Wait that, wait, that exists. That shard has spoilers on it, though. It does it? Yeah. Uh, I looked at it after our last episode, and that's actually how I found out that Lorik was uh, Tice Leotion. Okay, I did not see before that before I read it. Before I read it, yeah. Okay. Because there's Sorry. character names under each sample. That's true. Well, anybody who's read this far knows all of these names already, so it's not going to be a problem. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. But don't Got recommend it. it to your friend who picked up Gardens of the Moon yesterday. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, we know every one of these characters. Okay. <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, now. As of today's episode. That concludes this episode. If you want to join the read-along and or contribute listener questions, check us out at the Legendarium's Discord. You can find the link on thelegendarium.com. Also follow us on Twitter at Green Team Pod for updates and fun times. Check out the Legendarium podcast for Wheel of Time, Cosmere, Lord of the Ring content, and so much more. Thank you to our panelists, Ashman, Yasna, as a boy, and Puddle Banner. I'm here in fan. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. And pew-pew. Sure, ciao. be hard not to discuss uh the god is not willing on our spoilers episode ash <laughs> yes well maybe we just should yeah, maybe we can talk about it later yeah because oh yeah did you see the dramatic persona yes <laughs> i'm like mm, this checks out <laughs> oh no you guys stop teasing <laughs> oh it's so good already <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't understand how that man thinks he's gotten worse at writing because he just hasn't. He's just wrong about that. I wonder if Steve's a fan of Final Fantasy. I doubt it. Hmm. Never know why. I don't think he plays video games. And... Car- Carsa pretty much exactly makes the Buster Sword, but out of flint <laughs> or obsidian. Oh, okay, got it. I just don't have a. He doesn't give off a as a fan gamer of vibe Japanese stuff. Wow. I think I think Final Fantasy is uh, transcended just Japanese stuff. It's uh, especially seven is pretty ubiquitous in culture. I don't know the Carsa Ikarium thing feels pretty anime. <laughs> that was pretty anime. Steve, if I didn't love him already, but uh, he called anime trash in a Tenberry Boogum episode, and that made me very happy. <laughs> wow. I, I can't imagine that he was serious there. Well, I, I don't think he said it actually anime is trash, but uh, I think in ten very big books, it's like, man, Steve, I, he has to watch anime. He's a big fan of anime because like all this stuff is like anime. And he comes on and he's like, man, what's with all this anime trash? <laughs> he's like, I do not watch anime. I usually don't, but uh, I've been watching Berserk and reading it. Oh, nice. oh man, bad time to pick that up. Yeah. Mean... Well, that's why I picked it up. Oh, it's why you picked it up. Interesting. I had been thinking Great about move. it for a while, and then he died, and I was like, okay. Now it's forever unfinished. Better start it. <laughs> well, I wanted to see, like, why everybody was grieving his, sure. like, impact on the genre. And it wasn't just anime people. It was, like, fantasy kids, too. So I was like, all mm-hmm. right, I need, to, I need to see what has brought these, like, disparate communities together to grieve this one person. I, I doubt I'll pick that one up, but. He, ha- he has Carson's sword, too.
I don't hate anime as much as I pretend to. Yeah, you totally have a bunch of guilty pleasure anime that you watch, eh? I think, okay, I think Steve would really like some Studio Ghibli kind of stuff. Like uh, Grave, of the, Grave of the Fireflies, I, I think you would appreciate a lot. Home Poco. Yeah, that's weird as <laughs> <laughs> shit. It is. He would appreciate a lot of the, um, like, spiritual, environmental, right, mm-hmm. like, aspects of music. That's why I brought up Home Poco. That's what it's all about. And yeah. Oscar. That's that's one thing I really like about Steve. He has a very deep respect for uh, shamanistic wisdom, essentially, because mm-hmm. you know a lot of uh, modern thought is that you know all those they were just ignorant savages who didn't know where the lightning came from. But you know they they had a lot of wisdom, and uh, he even wrote an essay about it. Um, like science science got to the moon, but the shamans were already there. Oh, hmm. it's, is that uh, safe interesting to read? To think about. I think so. I'll give it a quick look over if you want. Okay. Uh, the last anime I watched was The Shape of Voice, which is about the deaf girl getting bullied. I liked it a lot. Hmm. Mm. I haven't watched very much recently, so before that, it was like two years, maybe. <laughs> I like this stuff by the guy who did a uh, Perfect Blue and Akira and all that stuff. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Satoshi Kon. Sure. I knew that. Uh, uh, Tokyo Godfathers is quite good. <laughs> oh, I've yeah. I think you may have recommended that to me. I need to watch it's that. Maybe. maybe you should wrap up the episode. Nah. <laughs> yeah, seems pretty <laughs> off topic. <laughs> Let's uh, give Kieran way more stuff to edit. Uh, he's gonna keep it all in. Yeah, of course. Yep, every bit. So, yeah, I have no idea. What I'm gonna cut this episode.